Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And now, 106.3 WORD proudly presents Hot Rods and Happy Hours. Custom car and hot rod enthusiasts together for a weekly chat. Here are your hosts, Rob Pitts and Odd Rod. Live and local on 106.3 WORD. All right, guys. Welcome to Hot Rods and Happy Hour on 106.3 WORD. Odd Rod, what are we talking about today? Well, Rob Pitts, we are talking about Jeeps. Jeeps. That's Jeeps. right, kids. We're getting down and dirty. We're going to put it in four-wheel low and talk about those Jeeps. You know, the cars that everybody loves. Everybody's got a soft spot for them little Jeeps. Oh, yeah. Everybody's had one, rode in one, seen one, wanted one, bought one, sold one, fixed one. Hated one. Hated one. <laughs> Absolutely. But first... We need to step back in time a little bit and talk about where the Jeep came from. A little history on the Well, Jeep. I mean, you got to think of where it all started. Whoa, what was that? Well, Rob, that is where it started. World War II. You know, World War II went from September 1st, 1939 to September 2nd, 1945. And on December the 7th of 1941, Japan bombed Pearl Harbor. And that's kind of why we're talking about this, because we just celebrated the 75th anniversary of the bombing of Pearl Harbor. Oh, yeah. And it's funny how the Jeep is actually going to tie into this. Yeah, it's it's actually a really cool, really historic story. Um, so, the U.S. entered the war on December 8th in 1941, after the bombing. They declared war on Japan. Well, as apparent to the U.S. in the time before that, that we were going to get in a war. So... The U.S. Army contracted 135 companies for a prototype four-wheel drive reconnaissance vehicle. They had 49 days to have a working prototype. Well, that's when Carl Probst came in. He was a freelance designer. I mean, this wasn't like a car designer or anything like that, and designed the first Jeep. Yeah, uh, Carl, he was right out of Detroit. You know, he's at this time, he's a well-established freelance designer. Um, he's a little bit older in age, and he came in, and he put together the first concept of a Jeep. And didn't get paid to do it. No, didn't get paid a dime. Now, I'm going to tell you, as an artist, I'm tired of working for free, and I'm sure my man Carl was, too. That's right. On July 17, 1940, he actually came up with the concept of the Jeep. And then on September 21st, 1940, a working prototype was delivered to the U.S. Army in Maryland, and it was known as the BRC, or the Bantam Reconnaissance car. And you know, the Army, feeling the Bantam was too small and under power, Rob, they actually supplied uh, Coral's design to Ford and to Willys so that they could design and modify what Coral already came up with. Well, I mean, like, he gave them something to work with. Yeah, exactly. And and I mean, they're getting... You know, Carl wasn't a car designer. You know, Carl just put this together, and then they took his idea and ran with it. Yeah, and at the time, you know, this, well, for one, this was the first mass-produced four-wheel drive vehicle. Well, not yet. It's fixing to be the first mass-produced. <laughs> well, yeah. but, but, I mean, this is the thing. This was something that was designed to help the military. And that's it. But now, you can't go 10 miles down the road anywhere and not pass a Jeep Wrangler somewhere. That's, I mean, I passed three or four on my way here today. I mean, that's that's just a crazy thing that just this one little move and it's totally changed history. 
Oh yeah, and, and these things they weren't even designed. They weren't even meant for this. They were literally meant to haul ammo and haul soldiers and guns around the battlefield. They were work trucks. It, exactly. I mean, that was strictly it. Um, but you know, now you got Bantam, you got Ford, you got Willys, and each of these companies they uh, they sit down and put together fifteen hundred models for the U.S. Army to, I mean, rigorously test these things during 1940, you know, because... How crazy is that? It's like, you know, we'll make you one or two of them. They make, make me 1,500, and I'll oh. let you know how they go. Yeah, make me 1,500, and we're going to try to destroy these things, see, who, see who's last. I, I mean, mean, this is the thing. Can you imagine building 1,500 of something? You know you're going to make a dud. One, <laughs> one of those is just not going to be that great. Yeah, and, well, that's just what happened. Willie's actually won the contract because of their Go Devil engine. And this is the thing that's crazy. You know, they call it the Go Devil. You think this is going to be this big hot rod motor, a roaring 63 horsepower from a flathead four cylinder engine. Yeah, 60 horsepower. I mean, Hondas are doing more than that nowadays. Well, I mean, you got to think about Volkswagen Bug. Yeah. Well, well, not at the time, but you know what I'm saying. Nowadays, yeah. And, and that became, you know, the Willys Jeep with the Go Devil engine, it became the standardized Jeep that we knew of the military times. It became the Jeep MB. Um, and it would find its home being built in Toledo, Ohio. Where the Jeep is still being built today. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's that's another crazy fact. That has never changed. It has moved buildings, but has never left Toledo, Ohio. That's kind of cool. That's, I think it's very Considering cool. Jeep has been bought out numerous times. <clears throat> yeah, and we'll get to that later. But, yeah. Oh, here's an interesting fact, Rob, since we're talking about the Jeep. Do you know how the Jeep got its name? Hmm. How did the Jeep get its name, Odd Rod? Well, it, it had a, uh, and I can't think of what it stood for, but GP, it's government property, something like that. Anyhow, if you kind of slur GP together, you get Jeep. And that was the coin name. It's just a little interesting fact. That's what I'm saying. That is interesting, but it's still a little far-fetched for me, but we'll go with it. Well, that's the unofficial truth. The unofficial well, no one can prove it. I wasn't there. Were you there? No. No, me neither. All right, so because of the need throughout the war, back to the Jeep, what we're actually talking about, the GP, um, due to the need throughout the war, Ford was also allowed to produce the Jeep, even though they lost the contract. That's pretty bad. It's like, hey, you're not good enough to win, but we're still going to let you play. <laughs> they did use uh, Willis's design. They did use the, the Willis motor, but there was a little Ford stamp of approval on all the Jeeps that Ford made. And actually, another interesting cost, uh, Willys, when they built a Jeep, it cost around 600 and something dollars to produce, like 630 somewhere in there. When Ford produced one, it was around 730 Really? Which led to Ford not making as many. I bet. Yeah, for obvious reasons. And that was a good bit of money back in the 40s. Well, you got to think about it. I mean, a normal car, <clears throat> what, in the 40s, what, 1000 bucks, 1200 bucks? Yeah. I mean, so, and the, and, the, and the thing about these Jeeps, they're not like the Wranglers of today or even the cars of the time. No. These things were bare bones as they come. I mean, they were simple. They didn't even have heat. What they had is they actually had a gas-fired heater inside them, which was crazy. They had a heater between the seats that was powered by gas. I mean, I'm sure some of our Jeep lovers out there, if you've ever owned an older Jeep, I mean, even into, I would say even until AMC got a hold of them in the 80s, these things had nothing, man. I mean, no dashboard to speak of. You had like a lip. <laughs> you might could squeeze a piece of paper on, and that's about it. Well, I mean, the Jeep, I think the thing that's selling point on it is the simplicity of it. Mm -hmm. That's the beauty Absolutely. of this vehicle. 
you know, it's it's a, it's an all-terrain vehicle, and it's nothing else. And, you know, through the years, it's gotten better. And then when you're newer models, but we'll get to that here in a little bit. And plus, when the aftermarket jumps in. Oh, yeah. So, in 1941, the Jeep was officially born, and that was the birth of the Jeep, you know. The U.S. Army saw a need, saw that we were going to get into World War II. It was inevitable. Um, I don't think they planned on how we got into the war, but nonetheless, it caused the birth of the Jeep and probably one of the staple vehicles of the United States, I would say. It is a staple car. I mean, I'll be honest with you, whether it's your grandma, whether it's your dad, whether it's you know a five-year-old, they know what a Jeep is. Oh, yeah. And I'm telling you, everyone has seen, like we said, everyone's seen, drove rode in or got a letter delivered by one. Yeah, my my buddy, exactly. My buddy's got a Jeep. I mean, it's just that car. Everybody knows somebody that has one or they own one themselves. Mm Mm-hmm. And I've had a couple Jeeps bail me out. We'll get to that a little bit later, too. But, um, yeah, coming up next, I mean, we're going to be talking about the post-war Jeeps. This this is a whole episode dedicated to Jeeps. We're looking out for you four-wheel drive guys today. We're talking about Jeeps and the Jeep craze, the Jeep lifestyle. Oh, yeah. Post-war Jeeps is going to be coming up next. And, you know, we're going to be talking about what can you do with your Jeep, you know, how to modify it, where to take it, how to have fun with it. And then we got a very special calling guest coming up later. Yes, we do. We got Mr. David James is going to be on the radio with us. David James is a Jeep guru in this town, and he's going to shed a little light on the Jeep for us and let us know what's Jeep fever. You know, what what is it about? And this guy, he has some serious history with Jeeps. All right, guys, you're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour Radio on 106.3 WORD. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour here on 106.3 WORD. Rob Pitts, the year is 1945, and the war is over. i tell you what, I'm all about some peacetime. Now tell us what our Jeeps were doing. Well, our Jeeps were uh, being born again. The CJ was introduced in 1945, the civilian Jeep. And that's the thing that's cool. So now it's a Jeep for the people. It's not a military Jeep no more. That's right. You know, the Jeeps were known back then as Flatlanders because they had very flat front fenders. But that actually changed just a few years later. It did. In 19, uh, 1955, a more rounded fender for the CJ5 was introduced. And that's kind of the model we know today. You know, your CJ5s, your CJ7s. I mean, that's probably like the most sought-after Jeep of all times. Well, I mean, your CJs, they're classics now. I mean, you got to think about it. I mean, you have people that restore these things, and they're not going off-road with them. They're, like, taking them to car shows. I mean, there's several Jeep clubs. They go on Jeep cruise-ins. They have Jeep car shows. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're, like we said before, they're a staple to the uh, four, not only the 4x4 world, but the car world in and of itself. Well, I mean, because everybody's got their own idea of the perfect Jeep. You know, some guys like them lifted with the 38s and all that, and some guys, they like them stock, original, and just to cruise around. Yeah, I like them white with a little golden eagle on the front if you catch my uh, 
Duke's hazard drift there. I hear you, Daisy. <laughs> well, maybe I just like the driver. That might be it. I'm not sure. I'm a fan of her. <laughs> I could, you know, keep, take the Jeep. I don't care. The Jeep's like, yeah, eh, Catherine Bach, you know, call me. <laughs> no, in, in years to come, though, the Jeep's future will get tossed around a bit, though, is actually kind of crazy. You know, in June of 1950, Willie's was actually granted the registered trademark to Jeep. So up until that time, you know, they were building them for the war and everything. They didn't even own it. I mean, it was just... Well, no, it was government property. Exactly. You know, government property, Uncle GP. S- Uncle Jeep. Sam. Uncle Sam owned that thing. <laughs> yeah, Uncle Sam owned it up until 1950, and Willie's took hold. Um, and then in 1953, Willie's was actually bought out by Kaiser Motors. You know, Kaiser, I tell you what, just not to get too far off track, Kaiser was a really neat car company. Every car, they had some gorgeous cars, guys. Yeah, so I will tell you something. If you've never seen a Kaiser car, which... 95% of America has it, unless you're older than 60. But those cars are so futuristic and so ahead of their time. They're gorgeous. Google Kaiser anything, and they're great-looking cars. Oh, I have to agree with that. Um, so talking, you know, back on track with the Jeep, Kaiser Motors in 1963 became Kaiser Jeep, because evidently the Jeep was the staple of their product as well. And then fast forward into 1970, Kaiser Jeep was going under, and they, I mean, they were losing money. Evidently, although the styling of Kaiser was gorgeous, uh, people well, weren't buying it. You got to think about that. I mean, you know, sometimes you can be a little ahead of the game. Studebaker had the same problem. Tucker. I mean, exactly. And that, you know, that's well, the car Tucker, we'll be talking well, about later. Well, that's the car we're going to talk about later, but the thing with Tucker it was not just the styling, it was just everything was crazy about that car. Oh, yeah. That, I mean, that car was leaps and bounds. But, you know, Kaiser went under, so in 1970, they were bought out by AMC, which I'm going to go ahead and on record and say probably produced some of the ugliest Jeeps we've ever seen toward the later years, the square headlight Jeeps. You know, they're not the ugliest Jeeps. I mean, there's a lot of people that like that body style Jeep. I mean, at AMC, in my opinion, I think the quality went down when AMC took over. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you there. You know, Jeeps are not known for being airtight vehicles or anything like that, but that's when they started getting rickety and things like that. They were made cheaper. It it was a whole other ballgame when AMC stepped in, in my opinion. Well, yeah, I mean, AMC is not known for – I mean, there is a following to AMC cars because they are American-made cars. But Yeah, but those cars compared to the big three – AMC is like the redheaded stepchild. I mean, like you know, Absolutely. you've got good looking AMC cars. You got the Javelin and you know things like that. But or you know AMXs and and you know you had the Rebels, all that stuff. Those were great cars in the '60s. But even now, looking back, you know you don't see Javelin collectors. You have that one guy that has one. Yeah, or the Hornet collector. <laughs> I don't think that guy exists. Yeah, most of them. And, and and that's the thing, and the, even the Jeeps during that time, like you said, the quality fell off. That was your, uh, you know, your rust bucket Jeeps are usually AMC Jeeps. Well, I mean, and that's another thing, you had a virtually open car, so, I mean, they were susceptible to rust. Absolutely. So, in 87, through uh, awesome management, you know, as time came up, Renault actually bought into parts of AMC, but at the end in 87, Chrysler Corporation bought out AMC and ended up with the Jeep name, and there it remained up till even today. And I think the thing that's still cool is that through all these owners and all these years, it's still made in the same spot in Toledo, Ohio. Yeah, it's still made there. It's great. So Daimler Chrysler has remained home of the Jeep. Toledo has remained home of the Jeep. 
And I'm going to say this. Today, Jeeps remain the pinnacle of off-road enthusiasts and have retained, well, and this is just a fact, they have retained their solid front axle. Well, I want to tell you something else about the Jeep. This was probably a golden score for Chrysler when they bought this, when they bought into the Jeep name, because you got to think about it. Chrysler has a lot of hit or misses. You know, here lately, the Dodge Ram trucks are their big thing now, but you got to think about it. When this was happening in 1987, caravans and Jeeps are the only two things remotely Mopar that sold. Oh, yeah. And, you know, Jeeps, since then, you know, of course, everybody likes the Wranglers, the CJs, but Jeeps have came a long way since then because the Jeep at that time, it was not a civilian vehicle. Well, it was a civilian vehicle, but it wasn't meant for daily use. So then the Grand Cherokees were introduced. Well, I mean, and that's an SUV. Yeah. I mean, it is. But it carries the Jeep name. But before you even had that, though, you had with AMC, you had Wagoneers. Yep, that's right. That's right. But I mean. Which are very collectible, by the way. Those guys, the Woody Wagoneers. Those guys take that to the next level. That's one. And then your Jeep Truckers, or the Scramblers. Yeah, they later came to be the Commanders, Comanches. Comanches. That's right. Well, you got the Commander now, the SUV. But then, I mean, even more into the future, Jeep has became a performance vehicle. You got the SRT Jeeps now. (laughs) You know, and that's an oddity. It's so, and that's Chrysler stepping in there, and I understand that. I mean, well, Chrysler does have a motto of "Let's make everything a hot rod." Yeah, no. I mean, I'll be honest with you. Well, no, 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 actually, not at all. You got to think about it. Chrysler didn't have a performance car other than a Shelby with a 2.2 turbo. Yeah, let, me, let me correct that statement and say Dodge wants to make everything a hot rod. Well, that, but I mean, they didn't have anything. Chrysler Corporation in general, all the way up to here in these latter years, I mean, when they brought back the Hellcats and the Challengers, you know, the new muscle cars, which we're definitely going to be covering in an upcoming show. Yeah, and I don't know. I think. I think the Jeep SRTs are awesome. I think they're a super cool powerhouse if you uh, are like me and don't want to ever miss a soccer game. Um. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, it's, it's a little too much of a good thing. You know, it's you know, I, like, I like combinations and all that stuff. And Perhaps trying little, too hard. Yeah, it's just a little over the top. In my personal opinion, do you really need an SUV with 700 horsepower? No, that's a little over the top. Yes, duh. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, coming up next, we, we got some more on uh, Jeep topics. We're going to be talking about what you can do with your Jeep, how you can modify your Jeep, where you can take your Jeep to have fun. And also, we do have our very special calling guest coming up. That's right. We got David James coming up, guys. Mr. Jeep in this town. Don't miss it. You're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour on 106.3 WORD. From custom car shows and swap meets to racing and 4x4 events. It's all about rods and rides. On Hot Rods and Happy Hour. Live and local on 106.3 WORD. For your ears, tank is full on Hot Rods and Happy Hour with Rob Pitts and Odd Rod. 106.3 WORD. Get it, boy. All right, guys. Welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour on 106.3 WORD. This is Rob Pitts. Odd Rod, what are we going to do with our Jeeps? Well, we can do a lot of things with our Jeeps. We can take them off-road. We can customize them. We can sell them. We can keep them. We can lift them. We can lower them. Can we just put some wax on them and, like, armor all our tires? Well, no, that'd be, no. Can't do that. So that's why I'm not a Jeep man, because my idea of off road, my idea of off roading is like hitting a curb. <laughs> See, um, yeah, well, about off roading, 
there are some cool places around here to go off-roading, like Gulch's. You ever heard of them? Actually, you know, I have heard of it. It's down in Lawrence. Down in Lawrence. Great off-road park. Um, then you got Carolina Adventure World. Um, I think they allow Jeeps to come there. I know it's a huge uh, four-wheel, like four-wheeler and ATV and dirt bikes, things and all that. But I think they allow uh, us car guys to come. Well, Jeep guys, four-wheel drive guys. Easy. Oh, what do you mean easy? The car, car guys. You're a Jeep guy. Well, you know, you know, you can four-wheel drive a car. I mean, that's cool. Uh, no, 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 no. That's not cool. All right, guys. Well, if you know of any other uh, four-wheel drive park around the upstate area, uh, there's Uhari up in North Carolina, too. That's a good one. Yeah, it is a pretty good one. I've heard a lot of things about that. Hey, Kev, man, if you know somewhere where you can take your Jeep off-road and we haven't mentioned it, put it down on our Facebook page. Tell us about it. But I'm going to drop a little story about uh, my adventure to Gulch's because it's a pretty good one. I am just, I'm ready. I'm dying (laughs) over here. (laughs) All right, so it's not in a Jeep, but a Jeep did save me. At the time, I had a uh, a 1995 two door Z71 Tahoe lifted, you know all the all the good redneck stuff lifted, loud muffler, four wheel drive, all that fun stuff. So, me and a bunch of friends, including a friend in a Jeep, we uh, we decided to take the weekend, go down to Lawrence, go to Gulch's. Um, I hadn't been before, and you know just got the Tahoe. I'm gonna show out, right? So as soon as you get in the gate, you check in. There's this monstrous mud hole, and I'm thinking, like, I'm in Chevrolet. I can get through this. So, uh, yeah, about that. So I put, I know it's everybody going around it, too, you know, because that's an option. So I slide it down four low, and I start pedaling my way in. And, um, yeah, I didn't make it out. You sunk the Tahoe, didn't you? I did sink the Tahoe. All right, now keep in mind, this Tahoe had under 100,000 miles on it. It's two-door. It's a Z71. It's everything you can want in a Tahoe. It's probably like, probably one of the most collectible Tahoes you could buy. And uh, so the first thing I do with it is taking this mud hole. What what any, I mean, that's what everybody wants. Right, I mean. That just does nothing but boost the value. See, I thought the same thing. I thought the exact same thing. So I take in this mud hole. (laughs) I take in this mud hole. And and now, mind you, I got some brand new 35-inch tires on here. A nice little two-inch lift for clearance. And um, I will post this picture online. You can no longer see the 35-inch tires. They are gone. You're killing me. Well, you know, it was all cool. You know, we sat there, kept it idling so, you know, no mud would get in the engine and, you know, all them important things like that. But what started to happen was mud was getting inside. The inside was filling up rather quickly. That's not good when you have to start, like, I guess, spooning mud out of the Tahoe. Well, it was interesting. So I had my buddy, because, you know, I'm a little bit fluffy. I don't go Dukes Hazarding outdoors that much. So I had my buddy who was in there who uh, did advise me. <laughs> Are you laughing at that? I was painting a mental image of that. <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, get the butter. Get the butter. <laughs> That's wrong. And <laughs> back to the story, Rob. So I have my buddy who's with me. Um, I'll give him a little shout-out, Hunter. Hunter Thornton, he helped me out. He crawled out the window, got on the hood of this thing. Now we're laying there. Everybody's watching at this point. So we're looking for the uh, hooks up in the front of the uh, up in front of the Tahoe because we need some way out. Well, we finally found the hooks. The owner has a propane-powered Jeep. Thank God. I would give you a shout-out, but I cannot remember his name. <laughs> he has a propane-powered Jeep. And uh, this guy is so gracious, we finally get hooked up, and he pulls this thing out. 
So I didn't cut the I didn't cut the Tahoe off the whole time. So we went running around, running around the whole park, you know. And then we get to the bottom of this thing, and I said, you know what? We're gonna chill out down here at the bottom. We're we're next to I think it's the Enery River that runs through there. We're gonna chill out and watch people cut it off. Guess what? What's the first thing that gets fried when you cover it with mud? Starter. Guess who had to change one of them down there? I think you learned some vital life lessons. Oh yeah, very. That trip ended up costing me a battery, an alternator, and a starter. But I'm tell you what, it's good fun. And if you go down to Gulch's and avoid doing what I do, you'll have some good fun. I tell you, you know, I've got a Jeep story of my own. Oh, do you? This I like it. Story time with hot rods and happy hour, right, right here. Well, you know, I mean, I'm the hot rod guy. I'm the Corvette guy. I'm that car guy. But. You know, the Jeep bug bit me. I said, you know what? I need to get me a Wrangler. And when I go out and get something, you know, I want that quintessential Jeep. And and there it was. It was a 1997 Jeep Wrangler. You did say quintessential, right? Well, it's that Jeep. Oh, okay. Bright red. Let me finish. (laughs) Bright red, black top, 38-inch tires, big lift, Every piece of chrome you could possibly throw at it. Mickey Thompson two tires, Mickey Tom or Mickey Thompson two wheels, Mickey Thompson tires, even the Mickey Thompson spare on the back. Having every piece of check plate, nerf bars, and probably enough lights to light up a football field. Those better have been KC lights. Of oh, you know, with the matching covers. <laughs> this is my thing. I bought this Jeep from a guy that was too much like Rob. That's why he was selling it. He didn't like getting his stuff dirty. This Jeep had never been off road. And it never was off road with me. I drove it literally. I had this truck. I had the Jeep for one day. I drove it to Easley and back to Taylor's, and went through downtown. When I did it, I cruised down Main Street in it. Guy asked me, he said, "Man, that's a good looking Jeep. You take that thing off road?" I'm like, "Yeah, I bumped a curb just a little bit ago with it." <laughs> but I never put it in four wheel drive. I owned a Jeep for thirty hours. I never put it in four wheel drive. I sold it to my neighbor when I got home. That's and that was the first and last Jeep I ever owned. So I guess to you, uh, owning a Jeep's kind of like owning a boat. The two best days are the day you buy it and the day you get rid of it. And for me, that was all in the same day. <laughs> but guys, I mean, there are plenty of things to do with these things. They are awesome. I have friends with Jeeps. And and the the customizing end of it, the aftermarket market is huge for a Jeep. Well, I mean, you got to think about the aftermarket. I mean, you can make your Jeep your own. You can put your touches on it and make, you know, the Jeep you want from little things to, I mean, you can make this wild creation. And, I mean, people have been customizing Jeeps for years. And, I mean, it's a blank canvas where you get it. And, like I said, you can just make it your own. Absolutely. It is a cool starting point. And there are so many companies that make so many different parts and products for these. I mean, you got Clemson 4x4 over in Seneca that sells parts. You got Kaiser Willys Auto Supply and Aiken. Um Iron Man four-wheel drive in Pickens. Yeah, you do. You got Iron Man up in Pickens. And speaking of that, we're going to be talking to those guys, David James from Iron Man in Pickens. He's going to be our special call-in guest here in a little bit. Yeah, so, you know, let's talk about a little bit of history of customizing Jeeps here in the upstate, though. Well, Jeeps in general here in the upstate. Well, I will tell you something that a lot of people don't know. You know, I'm. it's kind of cool being the specials in Pickens, South Carolina, but there's a name. If you talk to anybody that's old-school Jeep in this town, you say Larry Hinkle, and it is going to like strike, just really strike a nerve with You're people. You're talking about Hinkle Jeeps, aren't you? Hinkle Jeeps. The world's largest Jeep dealership, and it was in Pickens, South Carolina. 
Isn't that amazing? I mean, something like that right here in our, in our I hometown. Couldn't, I couldn't imagine the world's largest anything in Pickens. Well, yeah, it's cool. You know, and he ran that uh, dealership all the way up to the early 80s and then, you know, just let it go. Well, he didn't just let it go. Um, I've heard several different stories with this, but in a nutshell, AMC wanted him to start selling AMC cars, and all he wanted to sell was Jeeps. And he Can't refused blame him to. there. Yeah, so he didn't want the cars, so basically if they told him you need to start selling cars, he just closed down shop. I don't blame him. I mean, if you got, you got to think about, and the thing is, we're not talking about the, those way cool AMC cars of the '60s and early '70s. We're talking about the AMC cars of the '80s. Yeah, I mean, the it's, Matador. It, it's kind of like you having like a Corvette dealership, and they telling you, "Hey, man, sell a Vega or two, will you?" How about the AMC American, the American Eagle? Ooh, it looks like literally, guys. If you don't know what that is, Google an AMC American Eagle. It looks like a Ford Fairmont, an Escort, and a Jeep made a baby. <laughs> That's very true. Man, um, you know, talking about the shops, you know, he, uh, Larry actually opened up a uh, custom Jeep accessory shop, too, after the dealership. Well, he did. I mean, the thing about Larry, he was a marketing genius with this. I mean, he had the Hinkle Jeep Club, and he had Hinkle Jeep Customizing, so he'd sell you the Jeep. He'd customize your Jeep, and then he planned all these outings, whether it was an off-road event or a cruise in, from mild to wild, he had an event for you and your Jeep you just bought from Hinkle Jeeps. That's absolutely amazing. I mean, Jeeps are a big part of this area. Like we said, we see them all over the place. I passed several on my way in today. I mean, they're just so cool, they're so iconic, and they're a big part of the upstate here, not only with the dealership, but just the enthusiasts we have here in the area. Well, I think I think Jeeps are appealing just in their simplicity. You know, it's fun times. You drop the top and you're riding around. All right, guys, coming up next, we're going to be talking to our friend David James. You're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour here on 106.3 WORD. Performance Radio. You're listening to Hot Rods and Happy Hour with Rob Pitts and on Rod 1063 WORG, the Upstate's Talk Station. Getting eight miles to the gallon and loving every minute of it. This is Hot Rods and Happy Hour with Rob and on Rod on 1063 WORG. All right, guys, welcome back to Hot Rods and Happy Hour. This is Rob Pitts with my co-host, Hot Rod. How you doing, man? I tell you what, it's time to break in our special call-in guest, Mr. David James himself from Iron Man Full Drive in Pickens, South Carolina. How you doing, David? Doing good. How are y'all this evening? Oh, man, running around like crazy. Running around like crazy, 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 talking about these crazy Jeeps. I tell you what, I was uh, talking to you earlier about the, uh, the about the Jeep thing, and you were telling me about how your dad actually originally worked for Larry Hinkle. Well, what my dad did originally is we made all the tire, the accessories for his, you know, for the Jeeps he sold. So, you know, I mean, uh, so like you didn't go aftermarket and buying all these Nerf bars and roll bars and things like that. You guys actually made them. We actually made them. We made the the roll bars, the tire carriers, uh, the locking consoles. The side steps that clear the side pipes, we actually still got the patent on those. Uh, the rear tire, uh, rear bumper that had the step bumper on it with the tire carrier, we produced all those. The locking consoles uh, in the locking rear seats that uh, Hinkle sold. My mother actually done all the upholstery work on the the consoles and the roll bar pads that uh that we produced to sell to Hinkle. That's crazy. I mean, so it was a family affair with these Jeeps. 
Yes, sir. Yes, sir. So, like it or not, you were going to be a Jeep guy one way or the other. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I didn't have no choice about it, you know. And I, I haven't had, I haven't been without a Jeep since I was fifteen years old. So you've had a so you've had a headache for for that long. Yeah, yeah, and it looks like you know I, I you know I'd grow up and get a real job, but you know I, <laughs> there's nothing you know, wrong with that. Doing what you love. Now, okay. David, I was told you had a uh, Jeep graveyard. Yes, sir, we do. We have about six acres of of nothing, uh, but primarily Jeeps. Uh, we do new, rebuilt, used parts. You know all of the above. I got you. And we've, we've so, collected them for years. So you guys will go in if someone needs, you know, like an original fender, you'll refurbish it or something like that or any kind of parts yeah. like that. Yeah, that's exactly right. We have a full fab shop, a full machine shop that we can make about anything we need. Plus we do, you know, we have full mechanic shop running. We also do uh, our own painting and body work, and, we, you know, we got a body shop. Well, that's so. It says one stop shopping for the Jeeps at Iron Man. Yes, sir. Yes. Well, and I, I tell you, that's something else too, because you're talking about you got a fab shop, and I think that's a lot of people don't understand. You know, you know, when you buy these aftermarket parts from J.C. Whitney or any online place or something like that, you know, you got to think about it. That stuff doesn't just bolt right on; it doesn't fall on. You have to make it work still. No, some of them you couldn't beat on over the ten pound hammer. I promise you. I promise <laughs> you. You could. There's no way you could. It wouldn't fit in the back of it, much less on it. Yes, that's correct. I tell you, uh, so, we so, do have a you know a good selection. We we do have some really good vendors on new parts, but even going that, a lot of times if we're doing a restore, even if a body is it's got a lot of rust in it, I would rather repair their original body than I had to go with a, a repop body. Well, that's the thing. You'll never get something to fit quite like the original fit. That's exactly right. Well, I mean, and that's the thing, too, because they're pulling molds off of original bodies instead of pulling molds off the mold. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So and, uh, so you, you do, know, like, engines, you do everything, differentials, transmissions, the whole shooting yeah. match. Yeah, the whole shooting match. My dad, is he's still with me. He's still working with me. Uh, he's 72 now. Man, he's and, he, and he's still. And so how long has he been driving Jeeps? Uh, well, he started with Hinkle. In the the middle seventies is whenever he started the fabrication business, so he's been dealing with Jeeps since seventy five. Man, it's a long and, time. Uh, yeah, and uh, he still builds my my straight drive transmissions and transfer cases, and uh, uh, you know the differential work we you know we do that in shop. We do all ring and pinion swaps, lockers, everything from you know. Just to replacing bearings to full gears ratio swaps for both ends. Man, well, do you think the Jeep crowds changed through the years too? Like, I mean, I hate to say it, but like you know, kind of like this become more like the city kind of hot rod or the, the cool the cool car. You know, they wanted the Jeep, but they're not really the Jeep lifestyle. Like you know, they're riding, they're cruising in it. Their idea of off roading is bumping a curb downtown. Well, that's exactly right. I mean, you look at the, the Jeep format that's changed. Uh, if you look at Say from World War II, you had the workhorse Willis Jeep, you know, the the MBs and GPWs and stuff. You know, they was designed to work, and in and and then the 2As and stuff was just a civilian version of them. They used them on the farm. They had plows that went behind them. They had sickle mowers. They was designed for an implement of utility, and that carried on up to the 70s. <laughs> you know, it's a utility vehicle that. You know, the firemen used, the forestry used, the farmer used. 
and then you move on up to the to the basically into the YJ series, which is in about '87, and that become more of a street uh, ride around and, and look good Jeep. I mean, they'll still go good, and they they still got the Jeep backbone, but they're not utility. You know, they're not put to work like the through the paces like the old Jeep were. Yeah, I mean, you, you didn't see CJs with like baby seat car. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.